0: It's summertime, and at my bookie, that can only mean one thing. It is winning season. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contests, survivor, and more. And at my bookie, winning season's all about your chance to win big. Bet NBA playoffs, NHL, Major League Baseball, UFC, golf, and then some. The craziest sports summer we've ever had. It's simple. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash. Invest in your sports intuition, people. Select from hundreds of futures bets. You can bet games in real time with my bookies live betting. Put that big old brain of yours to good use and use promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play, designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games that you bet. Thousands of cross-sport wagers, props, and parlays await. Sign up now and bet with the best and celebrate your victory. Your winning season begins today, only at MyBookie. You know, guys, when you get to be our age, finding the motivation to get back in shape can be hard. It's just plain tough to find a routine and to stick with it. Good news. FitBod is a fitness app that is anything but routine. It tailors your workouts to fit your life, your goals, your gear, and even your schedule, so you can avoid burnout. And FitBod helps keep up your momentum by mixing in different exercises, reps, supersets, and circuits. Best yet, FitBod has over 1,000 demonstration videos, so you can learn the right way to do each exercise. It's time to ditch the boring routines and kick Start your fitness journey. Add FitBod to your workout essentials. Join today to get your personalized workout plan. Get 25% off your subscription or try the app for free at FitBod.me slash Zabe. That's fitbo dot M-E slash Zabe. Today on the Zavecast, an eventful weekend of sporting wows and sporting woes. From Luka Doncic being called a bitch-ass white boy, to the same Luca sticking in the dagger from deep. Earl Thomas is a bad guy. Gee, you don't say. Will New York ever be back after coronavirus? DJ goes low, the NFL battles false positives, and yes, I got my girl off to college. Your daily Kickstarter of Uncensored Me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! Oh, ho,
1: ho, ho. Here we go!
0: Monday, August 24th, 2020. Thank you for downloading. I always feel like, especially on a Monday, this podcast is never complete enough. I look and I look and I look, and I don't just say, well, what do I. What do I got to to fill 30 minutes or so? I look at all the stuff that's happened over the weekend, and I think, well, I got to mention this, and I got to mention that, and people are going to want to hear about this on the podcast. This product is a supplemental product. It is an additional product on top of my three hours in the morning uh, in Milwaukee on 97.3 The Game with Josh and Gitter. It is a supplemental product to my three additional hours on the air on the Team 980 with Scott and Solly. And so I will not get to everything in this podcast every day. But I'll try to cover at least all the high notes. So let's get cracking on that. Solo run today, but we'll do a lot in a nice tight window and be very efficient. Let me start with some non-sports for a second. James Altucher, or altaker I'm not sure how you pronounce it, A-L-T-U-C-H-E-R, has written a piece that was published in the New York Post, but it was self-published originally in which he asked the question about whether or not New York City could rebound from its troubles following coronavirus. And the title of the piece is just simply New York City is dead forever. Here's why. Now, this guy is an author. He owns a comedy club. He's a former hedge fund manager. He loves New York and lives in New York, But his view of the future is grim, to say the least. Now, he starts by saying, well, people are going to say, come on, man. What do you mean? New York City is dead forever? What does that mean? And forever? People always say this. You know, they said after 9-11, it won't be the same. They said after the Great Recession of 2008. And on and on. New York City will bounce back. But or Altucher says this time might be different. And he lays out all the reasons why. And I'll go over those reasons in just a second. Now, the analogy that I would make, he didn't make this specifically, but as I read his piece, I said, hmm, it sounds a lot like what's befalling New York City is almost a cascading series of organ failures in somebody who is dying. When When something goes wrong, sometimes, depending on what your illness is, you get cascading organ failures that collapse upon each other. It's not just that, well, my lungs are bad and my heart is bad and now my liver's about to go. It's just boom, 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 on down the uh, the way. And they're like dominoes feeding into each other in what could be a death spiral. So is this time different for New York? I don't know. The first would be the flight from COVID itself. Holy shit, I'm in New York City. There's a pandemic, get out. Many of those people still haven't come back. They may eventually, but they're not coming back right now. Those who could get out, who those who did have second homes in Florida or the Hamptons or who, wherever, they're still out. A lot of them are still out. Not everybody, but a lot. Secondly, the flight from New York City following the riot, uh, excuse me, the peaceful protests has been another factor in which people say, oh, a little bit dicey, a lot of shootings. I'm going to get out of here. The ability to work from home is another thing that has driven a lot of employees out. Their company's like, well, we closed our office. So if you happen to go to your grandmother's in Tampa St. Pete and you want to still zoom into your job with us here at Condé Nast Publishing, then fine. In fact, that's great. He talks about the loss of New York City's charm. The best part about New York City was the culture, the nightlife, the restaurants, theater, etc. All that is now. Decimated. Is it going to come back? Yes. Eventually. But in 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 what degree? Uh and how strong will it come back? Then there's the coming tax hikes to fix the budget hole. Companies, uh, the, the politicians are just going to start with, well, we got to raise taxes. Look, look look at how much money we're in the hole. That's what they know how to do. And it's going to be the exact worst thing you could do, but they can't help it. Also, companies will be able to pay their employees less if they say, look, we can't give you a raise, or you can keep the 10% pay cut we uh, applied across the board when the pandemic hit, but you no longer have to live here in New York. So if you'd like to work from Tampa, Florida, or wherever it is in the country you want to work, fine. A lot of people will say, oh, sign me up. Sure, it's a 10% pay cut, but cost of living is 40% cheaper. And I'm closer to my mom or my family or I don't have to shovel snow or shit. I don't have to walk uh, four blocks in the middle of winter in New York City. So you got all this working in conjunction. And it's pretty daunting if you think about it. There's also, I believe they said almost a half dozen major universities in New York City alone that are taking a hit. Maybe they're down 10, 15%. And then all of this is if COVID stops pretty quickly as we turn the calendar page into 2021, no guarantees on that. And all of this is if nothing else comes along. Like the Peruvian lizard flu. Oh, you don't want to be around for that one. And then I was thinking about, well, if New York City's commercial real estate takes a 15% hit, let's just say they have a lot of vacancies because companies are closing offices, moving out who and when and why would any company say oh oh there's there's office space in Manhattan <laughs> Oh, high rents insurance maintenance electricity taxes oh we got we got 300 bodies who just are itching to move in and commute into work and go up to the 59th floor to sit in their cubicles until they were told by email come to the conference room we're going to have a conference call We're not a conference call we're going to have a, we're going to have a meeting which they could have on Zoom. If they start draining the skyscrapers in New York City, when, how would they ever fill up again? The world is changing. In other words, I think the question that one has to ask is, well, why couldn't New York City be Detroit? If foreign cars killed Motor City, Detroit, then couldn't Skyping into your job for Conde Nast magazine or pick any other skyscraper-type job, Aetna Insurance, whatever companies have human beings in these giant skyscrapers in New York City, couldn't Skyping in and doing that job just as well, if not better, during a pandemic when the office was closed and you live all over the country, couldn't that be the same as what killed Detroit? Maybe the Skyping for, maybe Skype is the virus that wipes out downtown economies, and not just New York, but elsewhere. Oh, one more thing, and this is what the author points out. In 2008, during the Great Recession, average bandwidth was about 3 megabits per second for individuals and even for companies. Now it's up to almost 20 megabits per second. Average. sums a lot better, and it's only getting faster and faster and faster. That's huge. It makes video conferencing better and easier and more robust. So to get people back to New York city, they're going to have to be convinced come to a more dangerous city now because of the war on police and increasing peaceful protests. There's less fun things to do. More restaurants are closed. will stay closed. Who knows when Broadway gets back up and running again, all these other things, sports in the city, There's going to be a more onerous tax burden. Companies don't really need you to be there in the first place. So they're not going to really be anxious to drag you back there anyway. And you're going to still have the same incompetent leadership in City Hall. Then again, rent should be cheaper and maybe the traffic is better. So we'll see. My personal bet, despite all of this, is that New York City will be back. But it's going to take a while. And... There's going to be changes, but it'll eventually be back. It was still an interesting read, and you can check it out. James Altucher, A-L-T-U-C-H-E-R. New York City is dead forever. Here is why. Read the piece. Draw your own conclusions. To the NFL we go. False positives have knocked the NFL a bit off stride this weekend. The NFL had conducted well over 100,000 COVID-19 tests since camp began with a positivity rate that was a fraction of 1% and dropping. So suddenly, why then was there a flood of positives from different testing sites around the country, all processed by the same lab in New Jersey? It raised a red flag and it caused some teams to go, whoa, 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 hold on a second. And now they're working with the lab and they're working with I guess other labs to double check and everything else. The bears had nine false positives over the weekend. The jets had 10. The Vikings now have 12 presumptive positive tests from the same New Jersey lab that produced the other testing results. So what does the NFL do? What should they do? (laughs) I'll say it again. And people are going to, some people, not all are going to say, you're crazy. You can't do that. Here it is. Ready? Stop testing asymptomatics. Boom. Read the actual instructions on a PCR test, a polymerase chain reaction test. It says specifically, this is not meant to be a wholly diagnostic test In other words, you can't tell if you got the thing that this test says you might have the thing because it's just picking up fragments of DNA and it's not 100%. It's not even close. A true diagnosis has to be a combination of clinical observations. Do you have a cough? Do you have symptoms? Have you been around people who are known to be positive for COVID-19? And then do you have a test that's positive as well? All of this asymptomatic testing is going to keep producing these things. Because remember, virus got a virus. And if masks worked, they'd already be working. Those are two Zave originals right there. Earl Thomas was kicked off the Ravens over the weekend. Man, if, if only there were signs that he was a bad guy. I mean, who would have known, right? Like a guy who flipped off his own coach and the entire Seahawks sideline, although he said he meant it for Pete Carroll, after breaking his leg in a game in Arizona, after having been refused and rebuffed in his desire to get a new contract with the Seahawks. Hey man, you're supposed to give me a new contract. They're like, yeah, we're really not going to do that. We've got you signed this year so you can either play and get paid or not. Then he breaks his leg in Arizona, and as he's being carted off the field, flips off his own coach. Wow, okay, thank you, appreciate that. It's almost like Seattle knew, this guy's kind of a bad guy. Then he got dump trucked by King Henry in the playoff game, famously, in a gif that has been sent around the world. Then he got caught knocking boots with his brother with two other chicks by a gun-toting wife during quarantine. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to which he said, hey man, things are going to happen. <laughs> like, hey, just, I don't want to talk about this. The fact he was buck-ass naked, same bed, right next to his brother, was weird enough. And now he's had his contract voided by the Ravens for getting into a fight with a teammate because he blew a coverage uh, coverage in practice and his teammate dared to say, hey dude, you're not playing the right coverage. The best part about this, the best part about this without a doubt. (laughs) Mike Francesa tweeted in June of 2018, quote, if anybody is dumb enough to consider trading Earl Thomas, you run, don't walk to be the first in line. He is that good. For those that don't know, that is the Ghana funeral meme. I think I'll play it after really bad tweets come to light. It's amazing how Mike Francesa can be so wrong, even after he has finally and officially retired. <laughs> you run, you don't walk to be the first in line for Earl Thomas. Sure. All right, then we get to the one of the big stories of the weekend, Yay, racism. It's a one-way street, this whole intolerance for racism, kids. One-way street. Not a two-way street. One-way street. In the best series of the first round so far, the LA Clippers against the Dallas Mavericks led by Luka Doncic. Montrez Harrell of the Clippers, who got into a bit of a scuffle with Luka during uh, their game over the weekend was seen mouthing at Luca, quote, bitch-ass white boy after making a layup. This prompted a lot of people to go, whoa. Because, of course, if you switched white with black, and if it was coming out of the mouth of a white player, <laughs> season-long suspension... Endless apologies and mea culpas on social media. It would have made the groveling Drew Brees look like nothing if it was reversed. But hey, it was not a white guy and a black guy. It was Montrezl Harrell talking about Luka Doncic that way. And that prompted uh, 1J Williams, to his credit, to step out and condemn it and say, okay, what the hell, man, but this is not cool. This is not acceptable. Of course, then Luka Doncic did something amazing. He pulled up from the deep, deep water. His team down one in overtime and delivered one of the all-time great daggers in the history of the game. A dagger so good it prompted Mike Breen to give him not one, but two bangs. Back to Doncic. Doncic pulls up, three-pointer. Bang! Bang! It's good! Doncic wins the game at the buzzer! Let's go! Too bad, of course, it was before nobody in a wall of virtual fans via Skype, but he it got the rare double bang. And it capped off a 40, 15, and 10 triple-double, which in NBA history... There's only three guys who have done 40, 15, and 10. That'd be Oscar Robertson, Charles Barkley, and now Luka Doncic. It it ended up with, I think, the tweet of the weekend. When I die, I want to have Mike Breen yell, yell bang twice as I'm lowered into the ground. Back to Doncic. Doncic pulls up, three-pointer. Bang! bang! Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't help you just hire faster. 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. This according to a recent Indeed survey. Um, it appears the last time Breen used the double bang was February 27th, 2016, when Steph Curry hit a game winner at overtime and the Warriors improved to 53 and five. The memory of the call from, uh, Mike Breen at the time was, I wish I had an answer for the double bang. The whole performance, the key was the buildup. It took your breath away. The team took your breath away some nights, and to cap it off with that shot, I just kind of lost it. Not that you script that stuff you say, you never really do, but I got caught up in the emotion of the Warriors' magical run. I don't have a real answer for you, he said about the double bang. It just came out. So, there you go on that. Here's Jay Williams speaking to Montrez Harrell.
1: I am no lip reader, but damn, Trez, Damn, Montrez. I can only imagine if Luka Doncic had said something like that to you and it got caught on tape. I can only imagine during Black Lives Matter how much of a big deal that would have been considering today's climate and state. It would have been a massive story. Luka would have lost all credibility in this space. Everybody would have been commenting on it. People would have asked LeBron about it. People would have asked Kawhi about it. Everybody would have had some kind of statement about it. But it's not that big of a story because Trez said it to a a Caucasian person. It should be a big story because it's not acceptable, man. Look, I'm a hooper. I talk trash. I've cursed people out. We can get into the nuances of whether that's right or wrong, too. But what you said when you're evolving race in it. And I've heard people say this back in the day during basketball scenarios and and playing hoops in the inner cities. I still didn't find it acceptable then. I don't find it acceptable now, especially when cameras are on you 24 seven. Get lost in your battle, man, but don't get lost and say things like that. You don't need to say things like that, Trez. Let your performance speak for itself. You could talk trash in different ways. You don't need to say stuff like that. Now, I'm no lip reader but I know what I saw come out of your mouth, man.
0: It's funny. He says, I'm no lip reader, but I'm reading your lips. And I know for a fact that you said, bitch ass white boy, who knows how this story is going to be played on ESPN. Will it be a big story on Monday or will it be sort of a eh, sweeping under the rug? Will Jay Williams soften his comments that he put out on Sunday or excuse me, on Saturday on, uh, that particular comment. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. I know this. Luka Doncic is an amazing player. And all of the black players on his team couldn't have been happier to swarm him in the moment. And I'm sure they love playing with him. And I'm sure, you know, they don't care about race. They don't see race. They see a dude who's really good at a really beautiful game that will help their team win. And that's that. So we'll see where this story goes. But I give Jay Williams a lot of credit. Uh, Stepped out and said something that is going to perhaps be unpopular with some. But it's the truth, man. As the kids like to say, quote, be better. Sixers got swept over the weekend. No shock there. They were already dead team walking without Ben Simmons, but they just looked like a mess. Lots of empty seats as well for the so-called virtual fans. I saw one picture of the fact that they couldn't even fill more than half of the virtual slots for the last Sixers game as they were swept out by Boston. And I saw there were some issues at the Democrat National Convention where they noticed that in just a limited like 20 box of people listening to the speeches, they were doubling some people up because they... Either they couldn't find 20 people or they said, look, you're going to be the 20 people that we're going to show watching these speeches. And then um, a couple of people had to go to the bathroom or go out to eat or they had to walk the dog. And they're like, hey, I thought you'd be sticking around to cheer these things on. Anyway, in hockey, Todd Reardon got fired by the Capitals on Sunday. And many would say deservedly so. He's been bounced from the playoffs in the last two years. First round each time. Almost got swept this time around. And aside from about a good period and a half, the team looked at flat out dead. Uh, the Caps have become a power play specialty team only for the most part. They didn't score five on five. And so he's out and they got to go find somebody else. Firing a hockey coach is one of the easiest things to do. It's right up there with ordering an Uber or getting Grubhub. Finding a new coach who's better, a little bit more difficult. And if you think I've got actual thoughts on who would the next coach should be or who could be out there or who do I like, I got to tell you, I love hockey and I've played it a little tiny, teensy, tiny bit. But I don't have any opinions on that. Fucking hockey coach, for God's sakes. What am I supposed to know? Who's out there? How many iconic hockey coaches are there? I do know this. Looking back, you have to say, man, Ted. Shouldn't you have kept trots just out of karma, just out of, you know, he may be like our lucky shirt, but we're not going to let him leave. We just won the Stanley Stanley cup, pay him more money. He'll end up paying more money now from paying Reardon and now having to double dip on whatever's left of Reardon's deal to get a new coach. So, yeah. Sometimes with Ted's decision making, I don't get it, you know. This is the same guy who's currently playing, paying Scott Brooks way too much money to coach the Wizards. Nice guy, good coach. But in terms of really 7 million to coach this team, and I know that you know John Wall's injury has put a huge dent in the direction the team wanted to go. He let his son Zach Ted did Fire the NBA broadcast team. That was the only good thing going on with the Wizards, which was, of course, Steve Buckhantz and Phil Chenier. And he got rid of him in a very awkward, stair-stepped way where at first it was just get rid of Phil, and then it was make Buckhans work with Carol Lawson, then Carol Lawson leaves. Then it's, okay, we're just going to get a whole new team altogether. Their ratings have been completely in the tank. Kept Ernie on way too long as the GM of the Wizards. So, I don't know. This one didn't work out, Ted. You had to fire a hockey coach. In golf, Dustin Johnson demolished the field in Boston. Kevin Kisner had the line of the weekend, which was when asked about what DJ is doing this week, Kiz said, quote, been watching it for 25 years. I'm pretty accustomed to it. When he's on, I just step to the side and try to add on to my bank account. Classic. Kevin Kisner, South Carolina native as well. That's why how he knows Dustin Johnson for so long. And uh, Kiz is the same guy who had the line to Barstool Sports. Fellas, or he says it to everybody, you know, he's playing in some pro-am or he hits a good shot and, oh, wow, that's a great shot. He'll just say, this ain't no hobby, boys. This ain't no hobby. On to peaceful protests. Guess what they're doing in Portland now? This sounds like fun. And by fun, I mean awful and scary and should be illegal. They are marching through residential neighborhoods at all hours of the night, including after midnight, uh, shining bright lights and lasers into people's homes and chanting the following and playing drums in residential neighborhoods in Portland.
1: Wake up! Wake up, wake up! Wake up! Wake up! Wake up, wake up! Wake up!
0: That is so awesome. You know, you would think that uh, the good the good people of Portland would rise up and say, enough of this shit. Peaceful protests, my ass. Protests need to have permits and designed areas that they're going to protest. Just these roving bands of people out there blocking streets, banging drums. This is craziness. This is lawlessness. Oh, wait, did I say the good people of Portland? (laughs) You live in Portland. You vote in the people who are too fucking scared to do anything about any of this. I'm sorry. I just felt bad for the people of Portland in those houses. Why should I? Fucking move. There's no law that says you have to live in Portland. Get out. If you don't think it has any chance of getting better, leave. Otherwise, just put up with it. Who knows? Maybe maybe someone in one of those houses put up a thumbs up like that college kid did when there was the peaceful protests in Portland. New York and had a rock thrown through his window. Don't show up and be like, all oh, right, it's 1 a.m. and you're marching down the street with, wake up, motherfucker, wait up, wake up. And uh, yeah, I just got a rock through the way. Hey, I'm with you. I support you guys. Speaking of protests, did you see in Chicago? Mayor Lori Lightfoot has banned protesting on her street where she lives. That's right. I get to be safe. You don't. On the COVID front, a number of colleges took all of one day to turn around and reverse course and say, that's it. We're going all online. I think VCU in Richmond took one day. East Carolina, about the same. North Carolina didn't take very long as well. And I am just knocking on wood for my daughter, Megan, who got installed at Christopher Newport. Over the weekend, it was great. It went very, very well. Big ups to my wife, who's a stud. She had it all handled. She had it all handled from not only just buying all the stuff that my daughter Megan would need. Little knickknacks and stuff for the dorm room. And staying up to date with the Facebook page of the you know CNU parents. And just knowing what's going on. And hand-walking my daughter through all the, gotta sign up for this, gotta do that. My, my wife was awesome in that regard. But also just the psychological handholding and psychological you know uh, coaching and being a quasi therapist for Megan to, you know cuz this is a big thing for her and she was nervous as you could expect like a lot of kids are and so uh and so yeah so she was great and my wife did not shed a tear once we left i mean that's that's awesome now she might have been crying away from me or or many nights leading up to this maybe she got the tears out earlier but no and it was it was nice that you know my uh, my daughter texted after the first night and said hey my sweet mates are really cool and you know i'm i'm getting settled in here so let's hope it goes well i i can't imagine having to go down and pick her up and pack her up and bring her home i mean first of all i'll be heartbroken for her cuz the, the college the classes are mostly irrelevant at least for the first year she needs to live on her own she needs to meet people, have fun, go to parties, get her heart broken, get in a little bit of trouble, overcome obstacles, learn to get some confidence, figure out she can do this on her own. And blah, blah, blah. It's the whole incubating thing of living not quite totally out on your own, but in a controlled environment. I don't need her in my house on a Zoom call, taking some fucking class. We we can I can get her a lineup of YouTube classes that'll be every bit as instructive and detailed and will be free. they won't cost a semester of tuition which be honest I don't even know what this is how removed I am I know we put away a lot of money for her college education over the years and my wife was the one that called our financial advisor and tapped into it to pay for the first semester tuition I don't even know the number that's how hands-off I am, okay? I'm like, fine. But if they close the campus and send everybody home, man, I'm going to have a real hard conversation about what are we doing here? So I I just hope it goes well. But I, I can't even imagine being a parent of, a, of somebody who was sent down on campus and then, no, no, we had a couple positive tests. Now everyone turn around and go home. And again, with the positive tests, what does it mean for young people? Nothing. It means virtually nothing. They will get the sniffles and they will get over it and life will go on. That's not my opinion. That's the numbers proven documented numbers for that age group period. But there's always one case. Yeah. Okay. There's one case. What are you going to do about it? Just like with other illnesses, there's always one case you could obsess about. The Sunbelt wave is over, apparently. Hospitalizations in Arizona, California, Georgia, Florida, and Texas are now at a lower level today than the entire state of New York alone at New York's peak. Let me repeat, massive states, Arizona, California, Georgia, Florida, and Texas the hospitalizations are lower now, today, than the New York peak alone. The five states mentioned in the Sun Belt, that was all the media rage a month ago, have 88 million more people than New York. And oh, by the way, the deaths in Florida alone are a fraction, a third of what they are in New York, even though Florida has a much bigger population and not as old as Florida, you know, Florida being, of course, God's waiting room. And then there's this quote of the day from Thomas Sowell, politics allows people to vote for the impossible. Vote for the impossible, which may be one reason why politicians are often more popular than economists who keep reminding people that there are no free lunches and there are no Solutions, only trade-offs. Let's end on a positive note, I think. Funny note? Two hurricanes bearing down on the Gulf of Mexico. That's not funny. That's going to suck. Marco and Laura? Anyway, H-E-B Hurricane Supplies. H-E-B is a grocery store down in uh, the Houston area. My buddy Scott Shirey sent me the text and what it stands for. Uh, Let me make sure I've got this correct. It it was something Henry E. Butt, I believe. Um, And apparently it says, hurricane supplies, water packages limit four per person, extended store hours starting Monday, but brisket (laughs) limit of two per person. Texas, going to Texas, y'all. As Mike Breen would say, back to Doncic. Doncic pulls up, three-pointer. Bang! Bang! It's good! Bang, bang! That's it. You get your two bangs of brisket, and then you are done. Speaking of done, I'm done. Thank you very much for listening. A 34-minute romp through a selected smattering of things both that I'll talk further about on my two radio shows and things I will not talk about on my two radio shows for a variety of reasons. So your supplemental extra dose of me is now over. We'll have guests on the podcast here starting tomorrow. I've got to get on Glenn Eunice because he's close with Ed Reed. He will tell us more about the Earl Thomas situation this week. Uh, Jay will make an appearance this week. Mr. X is due to come back in. Charge and who knows else may uh, sweep in this week. Thanks so much for listening. We start a new week, and let's keep on marching forward because somebody has to stand up and say, we're doing this. Leroy Dankens. Have a good Monday, and we will see you next time.
1: Here it is, a groove slightly transformed. Just a bit of a break from the norm. Just a little something to break the monotony of all that hardcore dance that has gotten to be a little bit out of control.